Hello, friend, and welcome to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You're listening over WIMG 1300, watching over WPHY Channel 25 in Mercer County, New Jersey. You can send me an email, Trenton365Show at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter as well, at Trenton365. In the studio with me is Kenneth Lewis Sr., another one of the fantastic artists who are in the Mercer County region doing some amazing work. We're going to get into a lot of details, but I do want to tease you a little bit and show you a couple of the wonderful gifts that I received today from Kenneth. Um, these are prints of the work that he does, and we're going to get into all the details talking about all of his work, how he got into art, and this is the uh, partnering piece with the, with the female. And then we're going to be talking about all his details of how he works, and this is actually even a book that he's produced as well. So we're going to get into a whole bunch of details. Kenneth Lewis Sr., First of all, it's been a long time since we've been meaning to get together, yes. but um, you know how sometimes time works Absolutely. perfectly, so yes. I'm glad you're finally here in the studio, and congratulations publicly on your success. Thank I've been you. a follower and admirer of your work for quite some time. Yes, I thank you, and I really am grateful, and I appreciate you and WIMG and Trend365 for having me on the show. I watch it often, and uh, you have some wonderful guests on here, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. And I really appreciate it. And yep. uh, the two pieces that I gave you actually are called Majestic. Um, that's Majestic. And the other piece is called Humble cool. as well. Um, right, and we're going to show Humble again. There we go, folks. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so as you can tell, um, you know, I, I often bring on artists. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's something that's magical about yes. the creation process. Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime that I can be a part of assisting in that, um, promoting it, sharing it, I get mm. excited, almost well up with joy. Uh -huh. And uh, one of the things that I always appreciate about your work is that it's so vibrant. Mm -hmm. But I also like, um, and I've talked often about uh, texture, like in clothing and mm -hmm. so forth. But your work, it's texture. And, and I'm going to mm -hmm. go back to the pieces here where you can see the vibrant colors but then you can also see the, the dripping yes. the running so you're using a couple of different techniques and we're going to get into that yes. in a little bit later on but mm -hmm. let's talk about you as a person why are you here in this region where are you from etc okay well i was born in trenton new jersey and my father was a pastor and uh got he, a pk in the house yes pk <laughs> and uh he became a pastor at First Baptist Church in South Boundbrook. We moved to South Boundbrook, and about 10 years later, he became the pastor at Antioch Christian Church in New Brunswick. So I grew up in Boundbrook. Um, we moved from Trenton. I was in the second grade when we moved from Trenton, and I came back to the area. I was 20 years old, and I was a sophomore in college when we came back to the area. I was about to turn 20. And um, so I grew up in that area. I was... I played sports, basketball, football, ran track, and uh, I never thought about doing art, but I always loved art and artists. I always admired art and artists. I always liked going to museums and just looking at, you know, art, uh, but I never thought that I would be doing it. Um, so, you know, basically, I came, I'm one of seven kids. I'm in the middle. There's two girls and a boy older than me and two girls and a boy younger than me. Unfortunately, my two oldest uh, siblings uh, two sisters and my brother, they passed, and also both my parents. So I'm the oldest left out of the, you know, the family as far as the uh, the kids. But um, and so just growing up in Boundbrook, and uh, eventually we found our way back. My mother is from Trenton. My father is okay. from Marietta, Georgia, and he was in the military. And he met my mother in the military at Fort Dix at a party, <laughs> and um, and. Next thing I know, we just became Trentontonians, but like I said, that opportunity came up for him for the church in South Brook when we were little and we moved to that area. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, so as a young person, you were involved in sports yes. and so forth, and you always admired art. What did art mean to you as a, as a young person? I just, I love the creativity of artists. I just loved how they can just take um, anything from portraits to abstract, landscapes. I just love looking at the art, and I can find myself, even when I was young, and I wasn't painting, I could still stand in front of a picture and I can look at it for a long time and just like look at the detail and just, you know, and I would just admire it. And um, I love uh, Cy Twombly, uh, William de Kooning, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Basquiat, Picasso. Um, so those are some of the main artists, Matisse, those are the main artists that I loved uh, just admiring and looking at their work. And um, I knew there was something about art um, I just didn't know what it was going to turn out to be, but I knew I loved art. 
Mm -hmm. And were you someone, as, as a child, were you exposed to a lot of cultural things and different mm -hmm. art, et cetera? Yes. Um, I would, like I said, you know, my parents, we would go to museums and we would do things like that. Um, I, you know, art fairs, um, different things like that, cultural events. And my father was a pastor, so we were always going to something with the church and mm -hmm. we were always traveling around, you know, with my father, you know, basically different locations. We were all over the place because he would be a guest pastor here, there. And uh, so I got exposed to a lot of different people, different cultures growing up. Um, and uh, that was a, a, a good opportunity for me as well. I think that shaped, you know, me as well, just being exposed to so many different cultures, mm -hmm. you know, as well. So kudos to your parents mm -hmm. for that, um, because I know me personally, there's always this... Um, there's this, there's this different vibe from people who have a lot of exposure mm -hmm. throughout their lives. Yes. And, and, you know, I often find them with, you know, military families, um, people who mm -hmm. are deeply committed to their faith, always trying to evolve, trying yes. to get better, et cetera. So kudos to your parents. I know they're not with us, but I'm sure spiritually they Absolutely. are with Absolutely, yeah. My mother and father, um, because I started painting at the age of 47, my mother got a little glimpse of me painting and uh, she got to see the beginning stages. My father had already passed. And when my mother saw it, she was blown away. But one thing I think, uh, one of the reasons why I think I'm an artist as well is I think it's my mother. My mother, she used to sit down at the table while we were eating because we were a family that sat down. We ate dinner together. It was like you had to come and eat dinner with the family. Mm -hmm. Everybody sat at the table, believe it or not. Nine people, we were at a table having uh you know, breakfast, dinner, you know, usually lunch, we were off to school or something like that. But we always sat down and ate dinner. My mother would t sometimes take out a sketch pad and she could draw. And she would just be drawing like ducks and fish and just sketching and just playing around. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. And my father was the, you know, the sole, you know, outside worker. I don't, I don't want to say that she didn't work because raising That's seven true. kids That's is a true. lot of work. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that, for my mother, for that. And my father was out. We, I never saw our lights go out. I never saw, we didn't have, we, we just had, I was so fortunate to have parents like that. But my mother used to always sketch at the table. And I think it's part of my mother coming out of me. I think this is the art career that my mother should have had because she had talent you can clearly tell mm -hmm. and i think that it that this part of that's coming out of me because i didn't start painting until i was 47. that's interesting that you say that um mm -hmm. it, so what do you remember some of the things like she she was sketching i know you said some animals and so forth but can you Anything. describe for us a bit what it was she would just get on there she just start drawing and she did not even hesitate it was just a natural flow it was she could draw a face she could draw like i said animals she could draw anything and it was just really quick and it was like precise and it was you know her deliberate her motions were deliberate and it was you could tell that she could be talking to you about something and she'd turn over to the side and she'd just still be drawing and never miss a beat and i used i would see her doing that all the time mm -hmm. and uh it was amazing to me mm -hmm. and but i was little and i used to see it all the time and little did i know that it probably has something to do with me. Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. Is um any or any of your other siblings artistically inclined? No, no, none of them, no one else. But I remember I used to be like kind of close to my mom when she was doing it. I used to always be kind of sitting like really close to her, at least one child away, and I would be looking at what she was doing all the time, and. Uh, it's just something that stuck with me. I'll never forget that. I can, I, I can see, as clear as I'm looking at you, I can see her doing that right now. That is absolutely amazing. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was your father's, um, what was his thoughts about your mom's creativity and her sketching and stuff? I, like I don't know because we never talked about it, but she would just doodle all the time. And, but we never talked about it. My father was so bad. Listen, my father worked at General Motors. So he was driving to Ewing, General Motors. He was the pastor at a church. I think he was the maintenance guy at church. <laughs> and because uh, he always had me and my brothers in there doing something. And um, and that's where we got a lot of our skills as far as painting, carpentry and all that stuff. So my father, because when you have seven kids and you're feeding and, you know, he would my father would buy and flip houses and me and my brothers would go in and work on them and he would buy them and flip them. And, you know, so I had that experience as, as well with my father. So I'm very good with my hands as mm -hmm. well because of that. 
Yeah, we're going to talk a bit about mm -hmm. you as a carpenter because I think that, that that lends nicely to your mm -hmm. artistic ability as well. But as a whole, like, how would you describe your family? I know that you've mentioned about like uh, your your parents, like you sat down, you had a very structured family life, you, you traveled a bit, strict. That's <laughs> very a good way to put it. very strict. Um, you you like parties and things like that. As I got older, I kind of got allowed to stay, go to a party. I had to be home at eleven. And I like it funny when Richard Pryor used to make the joke. He used to say, you know, be home by eleven, and it's like the kids like that's when all the fun starts. And it was like, but we always had to be home, and it, it, it was just a. Um, my parents were very strict, <laughs> let me put it that way. And uh, But as I look back at it, I'm so grateful and thankful for that because I, I just didn't, it, I think it helped me because I, could, I wasn't out in the streets hanging out. We were at home doing things. We were learning stuff. And um, we always had activities to do at the house. And coming with seven kids in the house, we weren't bored because there were seven of us. Mm -hmm. And so we were always doing something. And my father would always have we, we had games and you know just different things that we would have around the house that we would do we play croquet out in the yard and you know so we it was pretty well rounded but it was just strict mm -hmm. and, our parents. And, and this was like during the 70s yes when you were growing up yeah yeah because I graduated high school in 79 1979 okay and um so and when we moved to Southbound Brook my older sisters were pretty much college and on out of the house and my brother was a like a senior he was he was a little older too so they were older kids you know as we moved there and I was me and my younger brothers and sisters we were there was a gap between the first three and then to me and the next three mm, okay so. that's awesome so while you were in high school um were you getting exposed to art was 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 art I didn't even go to art class half the time because I was a I was an athlete you know I I loved you know, playing sports. And so I ran track, I played football, I played basketball. And that's really what I focused on mainly. And um, because my parents were so strict, you know, I had to get good grades. So I, you know, I did my, uh, you know, I, I was up on my studies. I got decent grades because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to play. So I had an incentive to make sure that I did what I needed to do in school because if I didn't, my father had no problem with yanking you off the team. So I never, I, I once in the eighth grade, I remember in the eighth grade, you know, I got in trouble in the eighth grade at, at school and everything. And my father took me off the basketball team and it devastated me. And he never had to worry about that again. I didn't cut class. I didn't do anything. I was just, I wanted to play and just be involved. So it kept me in school. <laughs> it kept me out of trouble. You know, and, and, I, and we're going to drill down on this a little bit after the break. I mean... It, that's something like you, you made it clear. We were strict, but we were a family, etc. Absolutely. But your dad, vacations, everything, dinner, vacations. We we traveled around. Um, my father, even though he was strict, he exposed you to so many different things. And like I said, different cultures and different people. So it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just as if we had laid up a little bit on the strict part. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth, share your contact information so people can see more about your artwork and then okay. we'll be back after a short break. All right. Um, I'm on Facebook as Kenneth Lewis Sr. Um, also on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Kate, Kenneth Lewis Sr. on Instagram. But you have to put kind of a dash in there. And you can go on my website and actually link to Instagram, Instagram, excuse me, Twitter, LinkedIn, and it's KJL Art Sanctuary is my website. KJL Art Sanctuary, and um, you can like log in from you know from there to any of the other social media. All right, fantastic. Yeah. So, folks, you're listening and watching the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard, in the studio with me. Finally, I got him in here. <laughs> Kenneth Lewis Sr., a fantastic artist. We're going to be talking more about his creativity, the process that he goes through, and where he is with his artwork after a short break. Thank you. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm Jacques Howard, your host. In the studio with me is Kenneth Lewis Sr., who's an artist. And we're going to be talking about a bunch of his work. And I do want to plug for the people who are watching on television. This is one of the gifts that I received today uh, from Kenneth. And this is a print. His pieces are much, much larger than this 8x10 or 8x11. And we're going to be talking about that in a bit. We've just been talking about some of the details about who he was, his childhood, his upbringing, etc. And um, during that short break, man, we were talking yes. and like and, and you were talking about your parents were good 
parents. Yes. And they were strict, but you got a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. Can you help translate that mm -hmm. into uh, present day times and the importance of people getting exposure? Well, well, for one, because of that, um, getting the exposure, going around and experiencing different cultures, going to different churches. Because my father had a Baptist church, but we went to Pentecostal churches. We went to Catholic churches. I mean, my father was friends with a bunch of different pastors, priests, rabbis. So I got exposed to a lot of different people from that. And, um, and so it, it made me be an open person. So, so I'm very open. And that's part of my art. It has an openness to it as well. And um, it also, like I said, it, it kept me, uh, with them being strict, it kept me pretty level growing up, um, you know, as a child and into adulthood. And uh, it made me, you know, want to care for my family, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as well. I have a son and a daughter and I have a five-year-old grandson right now. And so it made me want to have a stable atmosphere for my children as well because I grew up in a stable. At the time, I didn't understand their strictness and this and that and what they were doing. But as I got older and I got my own children, I understood. Mm -hmm. And so it helped me moving forward and trying to raise my own family. Mm -hmm. that's, yes. that's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, when I, th I think about... A lot of the, the guests who I bring on, and mm -hmm. they all have that similarity. Like, like they had a foundation. People were around them, supporting them. If they did something they knew they weren't supposed to do, more than likely someone around them was telling them, hey, Absolutely. you know you should not be doing that. Absolutely. And, um, and as you mentioned during the break, you know, sometimes you know we go off and we do our own things, but that foundation. You, you will remember, because even if you go off course, um, it's like, it's not to spare the rod, spoil the child, like beat him. It's like the shepherd used the rod. He had a hook on there. And when the little sheep went out of line with the other ones, he took the rod and he, the curled part and he gently guided them back in line. And, you know, so it's like, it's like that. When you go off course and you've had a good foundation, you don't literally need a physical shepherd or someone to pull you back in. It's your own thinking is going to come back and say, listen, I know better than that. You know, yeah, I messed up and you and you check you can check yourself a little better and you can accept that hey I made a mistake but I'm gonna do better next time. And that's what that does. But if you don't have that type of foundation, you can probably keep doing things over and over again and not really understand that, you know, because you didn't have a foundation of, you know, uh, just trying to do the best you can and doing the right thing and having support. And um I think a lot of uh I, also one thing I think that was important during the time I was growing up too was my neighbors had input mm -hmm. in how I grew up. I couldn't just do anything in the neighborhood. My my neighbors had um, some leverage. They can come to my house and say to my parents, I saw your son here do this. So it was also not just my family. It was the, it was the people in the community that you couldn't do it. And unfortunately, you know, not everyone gets that, but it's so important, you know, to have that. You know, because once you leave out the door, your parents can only do so much with inside the door and in their viewpoint, uh, try to teach you as best they can. But when you get out in the world, you know, and you kind of almost on your own a little bit, it's a little different. And back when I was growing up, that kind of uh, discipline reached far outside of my house. <laughs> you know, that that um, lends me to a story that one of my brothers, um, Clarence, had mentioned to me one time. And and. Um, uh, when Clarence had really um, rooted himself in his, in his faith, the Christian faith, um, he re we had a conversation, and he was saying, you know, um, there was one time he was doing something, and he said he knew what he was doing wasn't right, and the only thing he could think about was if our grandmother mm -hmm. knew what he was doing, and he said that was it. That was all he really needed to change his perspective mm -hmm. and to awaken that spirit in him to say, exactly. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yes. And, and so I hear similar things coming yes. from you as well. So I think that that is actually a model for what we should be thinking about replicating going forward. Yes. You know, the nuclear family, who's in your neighborhood, what are these young people doing, The village. It's the village. It really, really honestly is the village. I just could not go and be disrespectful to my neighbor for the elders or anything like that it was like you know i knew better like i wouldn't do certain things that you make kids do things as they're growing up play around but you knew hey you're in front of an adult man i better just act right and make sure i'm you know straight up. and and that was there 
and my parents instilled that in me. And it, they didn't even have to literally tell me. It was it was by them just raising me that I automatically felt that. Mm-hmm. No one had to tell me that. I automatically felt that I had to respect, you know, you know, the adults in authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So we've covered quite a bit about, about mm-hmm. your childhood and, and, and um, your time going through high school and college. When you were in college, what changed your perspective for artwork? I mean, were you, like, you just grew in your appreciation for it? I just, from when I was little, I always loved art. But still at that point, I still loved sports. I didn't even think about doing art. I, I never thought about doing it. I just knew that if I saw a picture, I may stand there for a while. I'm like, wow, that's really nice. Still hadn't picked up a brush at that point. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never, literally never painted a picture until I was 47. Mm. Ever. <laughs> I, and I can't even remember art class in school. That's how much I was so much into sports at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I can't even remember being in art class. <laughs> so now, now I remember wood shop because we had wood shop. We had all those things. I remember that um, and accounting because that's what I you know, went to school for. And I was like, and I, I said, oh, I want to be an accountant because my teacher always wore a suit every day to school and he had a briefcase. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want to be an accountant. <laughs> I want to be dressed to the nines. I want to be clean. Yeah. I hate it. I would never do it. I never did it. <laughs> so it's like, but it's so funny that, that that was what I thought that I would like to do in the future was be an accountant. <laughs> I think that's similar to what life is in general. Yes. We have a tendency to think, okay, I want to do this, but not realizing that those are the things that are around us, kind of guiding us. Exactly. Not necessarily acting in a way that's satisfying your soul. Similar to what you're doing now with your artwork. Absolutely. So I think that there's a noticeable difference yes. in uh, crunching numbers, which is important. Mm-hmm but satisfying your soul and being creative. Absolutely. I want to fast forward through your college years and uh, up to that point of being 47 years old Mm -hmm. where you painted your first painting. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you bring us up to that point? Yes. Um, I had been married. I was married for 20, well, with my ex-wife for 26 years, and I got divorced. Um, I was uh, at 46, and, um, you know, at that point, my daughter was a senior in high school. She was actually, my daughter was a salutorian mm-hmm. at, um, McCor- it was the last year they were called McCorriston. Mm-hmm. And she was the salutorian, and then she went on to Oberlin, and she has a degree in economics right now. And um, so at that time period, I had just gone through a divorce. You know, all my, my son was out of the house. My daughter was out of the house. My dog had died. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it was just me. And um, so... I was sitting there and I, re- I always loved art. And so one day I was like, you know, I'm, I'm divorced at this point. I'm not in a relationship or anything. And I'm just moseying around and just trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. And I knew I always loved art. So I went and I was in Michael's one day. And um, I said, I'm, you know, let me get a canvas or something. So I, I bought a canvas. This was around October of, that, of uh, um, 2007. And I got the canvas and I bought and there's two things that happen significant with this. Um, I bought uh, some oil paint, some supplies. I talked to the people in there, oh, can I get this and that? So I bought the canvases and bought them home. This is in October. Never started painting. They sat there. October, November, December, it sat there. So it was New Year's Eve, and I'm sitting at home. And I was sitting there looking. I was just going to wait for the ball to drop. Again, I'm not really involved with anybody, and I'm just sitting there and just still trying to figure out because it's still it was still kind of fresh from my mm. divorce and um so by the way me and my ex are good friends <laughs> <laughs> All right. we're, we're good good so um so anyway i'm sitting there and i happen to look over and i saw the canvas and so i said to myself you know what i'm gonna be an artist i literally said that and so i set the canvas up and everything right by the tv and I said, as soon as the ball drops for 2008, I'm going to be an artist. And I literally painted my first piece, New Year's Day, 2008. And it's called Contemplation. And I knew at that moment, two things with that, I knew that I didn't want to do oil painting. It was too slow for me. I'm, I'm a very fast painter. And, you know, I like to do layer upon layer upon layer. And acrylic dries a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So um, that was one thing. And... The other thing is I knew that I could paint from my soul and my spirit. And I knew that it felt, it felt spiritual to me when I did that. 
when I started painting, I had this, this feeling inside of me that I had never had before. And it was like, it was like magical. And I started painting the face and the nose and, and it just felt natural. It felt like I had been doing it all my life. Almost like my mother got inside my body and took over my hands and everything. And I just started painting and it was so natural to do it. And uh, so I painted that painting and I sat there and I was like, wow, I can't believe it. But again, I had to come back a couple of days later to finish it off because it was an oil painting. And um, from that moment on, I just kept painting. And I, I would sit there and I would like meditate a little bit and I would get in this good space and all these ideas just start coming to me. And I, it was like they were like coming in droves and I, I just don't even know. And so I said, OK, I got to get a sketchbook because I got all these ideas. So now I have one picture, I think on my Facebook, it's got this wall. It's like I have a whole room. It's, it's bigger than this room. And there's eight by ten sketches just taped all around the wall. That's the wallpaper in the room. It's all around the wall because I just sketch so much. I sketch and I draw something else and then I do it. And then maybe I'll make it a bigger painting. But I knew it was just this, it was just this rush that I had. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even have to think about what I was doing. It just was happening. And so now, I, so I named my studio KJL Art Sanctuary because that was coming from my divorce and all those things. It gave me a sense of like peace and it was like a sanctuary going inside the studio and working um i i, I wish i could t explain to someone what i feel when i'm doing it because it's definitely a feeling it's not a technical thing it's a feeling thing so if i'm in a Let's say I had a, you know, something. Well, you know, I, I want to interrupt you because okay. I want you to hold on to that <laughs> okay. because um, we're, we're up on another break. But I believe someone is out there and you hear what Kenneth is saying. You may be in the same position, the same situation. Take the chance to satisfy your soul because that is something that it's anyone who's listening or seeing you. Mm hmm. You can't describe it because it's on that metaphysical level. Yes. And it's something that we can achieve and we can attain and it can be sustained. Yes. And it, a lot of times it's just us getting in the way of ourselves. Absolutely. And I encourage you folks to do that. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. We'll be back after a very short break. I'm with Kenneth Lewis Sr., an amazing artist, and we're going to be talking more about his artwork after the break. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. I hope you can visit the website, Trenton365.com, and follow us on Facebook, Trenton365 Show. In the studio with me is Kenneth Lewis Sr., who's an artist. And we've been talking a lot about growing up, the family structure, the dynamic, the wonderful childhood that he had, and the way that that has led him to this point of picking up a paintbrush at the age of 47. And then at that age of 47, to begin painting and to be able to make wonderful works like this and to now have a wonderful, successful career doing something that he is satisfying his soul. And Kenneth, just before the break, we were mm -hmm. talking about the whole metaphysical feeling. Like, yes. and, I, and, and I think you were in that space because yes. you, were, you were trying to explain the feeling that you had, but it just wasn't coming. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to be clear to people that that is that, that, that level of enlightenment like you yes. you were right there can you just talk about what we were talking about off air yes it, it was like um it, it was just this it, the feeling that that came over me and sometimes people say it's it's too good to be true and it's, it's something that happened and that you almost talk yourself out of being right at the door of expanding and and, and growing and, and reaching a new level of enlightenment um sometimes we talk ourselves out of it and we may not have the belief that we should have in ourselves that we can really do these things. But when you get in a space like I was in, that spiritual space, it's like something else takes over you. And it's like you're you're it's like you have a, this light that you just want to shine. And it, it comes from deep within. It comes from really, really deep within. Um to the point where I can't even, like, if I was going to paint a painting, and let's say I was having a bad day or something, or things, just I wasn't just in a good vibration at that point, mm -hmm. um, I won't paint. I can't even pick up a paintbrush and paint. It's, I, I wouldn't be motivated. 
no one can talk me into wanting to paint a painting. No one could say, you know, oh, could you do It's always a feeling. It's always a feeling. I just feel it, and then I paint. I wake up in the middle of the night. I feel it, and I go paint. I get up first thing in the morning. I have a series called Dream Fragments. I dream things and wake up and paint it. I see visions when I dream, and I get up and I paint them. And um, so it's that, it's that, it's like I, I'm telling you, I'm having such a hard time explaining it because it's not something that you can do with words. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you cannot explain it. Mm-hmm. You have to feel it. Mm-hmm. And everyone feels it. But then sometimes they like, they don't connect to that feeling. They get it, they get a little glimpse of it, and then they let it go because they let maybe some past issues or things clog their vision or slow them down um and i think that that's the biggest thing that happens with a lot of people they get the feeling then they think well maybe this will be too hard and maybe and then they start thinking the thinking part of it i don't there's no thinking part about what i do it's a feeling part 100 mm-hmm. percent. you know now now when this happened, and I, and I think that what you're describing is, again, the spirit that's with inside you. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that you've always felt uh, different times throughout your life? I know that you were very committed to team sports and athletics. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's been times when you've been playing sports where you've had that feeling. Yes. Where you were right there, you were at the peak performance level, and it Absolutely. was something you couldn't explain. Yep. So can you kind of marry the two together and explain it? It's like you... like. There was games that I played playing basketball. I was a point guard for our basketball team. There was games that I was just in a zone, and I couldn't explain it. And, you know, like, you, you know, we were talking off the air, and you're, like, saying Michael Jordan was looking at a basket. It looked like the ocean that you could throw it in. And it was times where I ran track. I ran the mile and the two-mile um, for the track team. And I would run a mile the first part of the track meet, and then I'd run the two-mile at the end of the track meet. And it was times where I was just in a zone, and those 12 laps felt like nothing. It's just I was running. I could just feel it. And it's, it's like being there as well as far as sports. It's just like you can't explain it. You just hit another gear and it just comes from within. And it's, it's like you're not even running. It's like you're just floating. <laughs> and it's like you're just moving and you don't feel the fatigue because you're so into the, the, uh, 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 just the, the energy that, that your, your spirit is giving you in doing it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there's times I did stuff, you know, uh, uh, in, in um, as rather in track that I probably shouldn't have done <laughs> because, but I was just in a space and I was in a zone and I hit another level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same thing with, with, with art. Um, it's just, I'm always in a zone when I'm painting. Mm. I'm never not in a zone. I always take the time to, before I start painting, I sit down and, you know, I take a few minutes, I'll meditate a little bit, I'll sit there for a little bit, I'll look at the canvas, um, I may even light a candle, um, I may have some, you know, spiritual music on, and, um, and I'll sit there. And oftentimes I start out and I just throw paint on the canvas, I'll do, and like I said, if people go on my website, they'll see some videos of me painting, and they'll just see me do a nice abstract background, and then I'll sit back, and I may sit there and look at it for two days, three days before the, the vision comes to me of what should go on there. And sometimes it's instantaneous, but at other times, you know, it comes slower. And then sometimes it comes in layers. It comes as one painting, and then it morphs into another painting, and then it morphs into another painting. And there's people that I've seen me paint that say, you, you could have, you started out with this one painting, and they saw it go to the last painting, it was four paintings in between. Mm-hmm. That literally could have been paintings. And they were not, they looked nothing alike, all five of them. And there's that, I think there's a couple of videos I have on there too, where I show someone where I started a painting, this is what it looked like, then it transformed into this, to this, to this, to this. And every time that happened, I felt a shift in like uh, my spirit that I should make a turn. And it was like, I didn't resist. Mm-hmm. It's like as water flows and you come to a certain point and it comes to a, a point where it's a, there may be a, a it, it's like you're, it's like I'm reaching out like water and I go and I touch this spot and you can't go any further in that spot, but the water is still flowing. And so instead of, you can't burrow through it. So the water just starts to rise and it finds another way. So every, when I'm painting, it, it, it finds a way like water. It just flows like water. It, it, and I don't, I don't 
resist. Mm-hmm. I just allow it to flow. And, and that's as, as close as I can explain how paintings transfer and change with me. It's just I go with the flow. And it, it takes shifts and turns. And at the end, it's, it's just what it is. And I, I, again, I wish I could like bottle this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and like give it to someone and they can drink it and then really understand what I'm talking about. You know, I don't think we're going to have time to get into it tonight, mm-hmm. but you just said something that was key that is a true reflection of your personality. Mm-hmm. And you said that you would like to bottle it up and give it yes. to someone else. Absolutely. And I think that that is part of the missed experience of being a human being. Mm-hmm. We can, are very limited in our time here yes. and what our capabilities are. Mm-hmm. But the joy and the excitement that we can receive by giving what we have to someone else. Absolutely. Or sharing with someone else is, and you just you just said it. It's so important. Um, I have other artists that come up to me and ask me questions. I've been painting a lot longer than I have, but they 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 say, you know what? I, I you you inspire me. They say you inspire me, and I'm like saying, well, I, I didn't set out with that intention, but like I said, it was like a light in me that I felt that once I let it out, it was going to shine on its on its own, and as an inspiration, it shined, and that's why I do curating. Um, People ask me, well, why are you, you're developing your art career. Why are you curating shows involving other artists? I said, because I, I like to share. And I said, um, so I curate at Hopewell Valley Vineyard. Um, I just became the curator at Langston Hughes Library and Cultural Center in Queens. And I'm working on another location to be their curator. And I'm doing shows for other artists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's so important to share because throughout my life, I've asked people questions. I've, I've asked, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Or things like that just throughout my life. And people have shared with me all the time. I started doing, when I started doing my prints, I reached out to another artist, a friend of mine, um, Jason. He's an artist in South Carolina. And I said, listen, I, he, I really admired his work. And I admired the, the things he was doing. I asked him, I said, um, you know, well, how do you get your prints done? And this and that. He gave me all the information. He was just so open with doing it. And... It, it became easy like that because I'm the same way. People ask me anything about what I'm doing, I share with them. I have no problem with telling them anything, giving them information, contacts, the whole nine yards. Because there's enough for everybody. A lot of times yes. people sit around and they try to fight over a pie. And they don't realize, like, that. oh, you got this piece of the pie or this is a bigger piece of the pie. I'm like this. Just make another pie. Make another pie. That's all you have to do. That's it. There's you room know, for there's us room all. for everybody. Exactly. So I'm I don't you know, sometimes I think artists get intimidated by other artists, but there's enough for everybody. Mm. And just make more if there isn't enough that pot. Just bake a few more. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> so I, I wanna tell you that that you have inspired me personally now. Like I've been an admirer of your of your work, especially this piece. I mean, for those of you who've been to artworks Tretton's Art All Night event. Mm-hmm. This was hanging up and it's very large. It's probably five six by feet. F- it's six feet by six feet. Six feet by <laughs> six feet. So this is an amazing, beautiful, vibrant piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing that mm-hmm. and to see the attention. And I know I took probably 30, 40 pictures of it when mm-hmm. I saw it. And I knew it was yours uh-huh. right away. Uh-huh. But You've inspired me by being here in the studio, by mm-hmm. edifying me and telling me, yo, just keep going, just keep trying. Yes. You don't know what is around the corner, and in essence, is what you've been saying. Yeah, a lot of people get right to the door. You're right there at that door. You're right at the cusp, and then stop. And just don't turn a knob and open the door and go through it. And learning from my parents, it's like, you are sent here to create. You're creators. You know, it's so nice to have the creations, it's nice to see the things that have manifest, but you are here to create and manifest things. You're not, you're not just here to revel in the creations. You're supposed to be a creator. And that's something, another thing that I didn't mention earlier about my parents. They were like, you create stuff. You're a creator. And so that doesn't matter. And, and mine just translated into art. That's great. Yes. Can you share your contact information again? Okay, you can go on my website. It's uh, KJL Art. Sanctuary again, KJL Art Sanctuary, and you can go on there. You can log on to my Facebook page, my Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I have a YouTube channel, it's Kenneth Law Senior. You can go on there, you can see live videos as well. Awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, and so this is one of Kenneth's books um, mm-hmm. that he has, and uh, as you can see. 
work is very vibrant. It's a lot of movement, a lot of spirituality, etc. And uh, the website, KJ, KJLArtSanctuary.com. And we'll be back after a short break, and we'll be talking more specifically about Kenneth's artwork. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. I'm in the studio with Kenneth Lewis Sr. Website is kjlartsanctuary.com. I encourage everyone to go there and check it out. And I know every week I'm telling people to do that. But folks, really, the excitement and, and the welling up in my spirit that I have is what I, it's infectious. And I want to share it with you. And I encourage you to reach out to my guests, especially Kenneth. Um, we were just talking after the break, and uh, I'm going to show a couple of the wonderful gifts that I received. Um, Kenneth is uh, open to have uh, people come to his studio, for him to go to studios. Um, we were talking specifically about how... Trenton is full of artists and all this creativity, and I was asking Kenneth about his exposure and what he's doing with children. So, Ken, I want you to talk about that a yes. little bit. Yeah, like I was saying that, you know, whenever I'm in, in my studio at Artworks uh, and the door is open, kids always find their way in, and they're, they want to paint. And I sit there, and they're looking at me. They just want to pick up a paintbrush and paint on it. And I could be in the middle of a piece that I'm working on, and I say, hey, put whatever you want on there because mm -hmm. all of it is good it doesn't matter I don't care what you put on there it's going to stay as a part of this piece of artwork that I'm doing and so I let them paint anything they want on there and it's just this openness that they feel and so they always gravitate towards me with that um, but I, I want to do more uh, work with schools going in doing live painting at schools and things like that so I've reached out to a few locations actually I have one piece that I'm going to be donating to a school. I had a 14-foot arm that I painted in hand, and then I had all the kids paint around it. And coming up, I'm going to do, after I frame it, I'm going to do a, uh, on Facebook, I'm going to reach out to different schools to see who can take a piece that size, and then I'll have some kid pick the school out of the hat, and I'm going to donate that piece to the school. That's going to be happening soon, mm -hmm. you know. And um, But I want to have more involvement with students um, and let them know that, you know, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Like you, And you have so much life ahead of you. And if I, at 47, could pick up a brush and start painting, surely, you know, you have so much more ahead of you. And just be uninhibited about, you know, those things that you, you really like and, and, and like art, whether it's art, music, you know, math, science, whatever. And just go into it and, and never have a doubt about your abilities. Mm. Because that's the getting to the door and not turning the knob and walking through. It's that little bit of doubt that keeps you from going through that door. So, you know, just believe in yourself. Believe in what you can do. Have faith in what you can do. Don't worry about how you're gonna do it. Just really put it in your heart and your soul and your spirit and things are gonna start happening for you. Doors are gonna start opening mm -hmm. for you. You're gonna be at the right place at the right time. That's how that works. But you gotta first believe it. You gotta first feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing with the art. It was a feeling first. The art, the manifestation of the art came after the feeling. It wasn't that I start painting and I start feeling good. I felt good first and then I manifest the art. Mm -hmm. It's never the other way around. I can't paint something to make myself feel good. I can only feel good to paint something. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is um, February is Black History Month and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I have a hard time with narrowing down a whole mm -hmm. culture into a yes. month. Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to talk about the cultural significance of the art that you do. And, and I say that because this is this is very clearly mm -hmm. a woman of color. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously a very stylish woman, a beautiful woman, mm -hmm. um, someone who's very comfortable with who she is. I mean, she's Absolutely. got her hair in a natural state, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, can you just elaborate on, mm -hmm. on the cultural significance of your work? Well, for one... Uh, a lot of people, like you said, they want to narrow. A lot of times, people try to narrow me down to I do black art, but I do, you know, you do art. You I do, do art. art. Period. The significance of it is that I happen to be an African American. Amen. And that you know, you can be an artist. You can go out. You can create a website. You can uh, sell prints and giclées, and you can sell originals. You can exhibit in music. You, I had two ga a gallery bought this piece right here. From me, and you can do these things, and um, you know. So for me, it's you know, people often want to put me in that you know in just a specific category, but it, it's just it's way past that. Mm -hmm. It just encompasses so much. So 
you know, I enjoy, I do some pieces that have like, you know, cultural significance to them, but I also do such a wide variety of things. And, uh, you know, I like to be, I'm, I'm a pr really an eclectic artist because you see those two pieces, then you look at something else and you'll know it's kind of my art and you'll look at it and you'll say like, is that the same artist? And, and I'm all over the board. Yeah, and, and, and folks, I'm gonna go to the one piece, Color Flow. Mm -hmm. This one right here. I mean, you could see that there, there's some significance between it, but the colors, etc. But it's completely different. Yes. You know, because of the images that, that you have here. And then let's move on and talk about, you know, you do work with... Then you see that. With, with words and with yes. letters. And I love the fact that you even mentioned eclectic. Because... Uh -huh. We've gotten away culturally, and I'm not talking about we specifically, yeah, two African-American exactly. men. I'm talking about people in general. We've gotten away from this whole idea mm. of just letting things flow. Like, we're always narrowing each other down and saying, okay, well, if you do this, you can't do that. And then if you do that, then mm -hmm. you can't do that. Well, I don't know where this idea ever came, came out yes. that we should limit what our opportunities are. Listen, I don't even limit what I paint on. I paint on canvas, I paint on oriented strand board, I paint on Luan board. I have a ping pong table top that I took and took the legs off, turned it up, and I was painting it on stilts. You can see it on my Facebook page. And it has five gallons of nails, fabric, cloth embedded into it. I'm even doing sculptures now. Mm. So I haven't even narrowed down to what I paint on. You know, I paint on tarps, I paint on, you just name it, I'm finding stuff to paint on doors, you, you name it, panel doors. Mm -hmm. And so, when you get out close to 300 paintings, you've painted on quite a few things at that point. <laughs> and you know, and, and I, I want you to continue to encourage people to do that, because yes. what excites me is that you started this at 47 years old, and you, I know, you know most people wouldn't... 56 now, nine years. And most people wouldn't believe that you're that old, I mean, you're very handsome. Thank you, You're thank in good you. shape, you obviously yeah. take good care of yourself. But at 47 years old, technically some people say, oh, that's midlife. You've retrenched your life and mm -hmm. said, I'm going to satisfy my soul and I'm going to do this. Going forward, I know that, you know, I would assume that right now you don't have any limitations on what you're doing creative-wise. No. Do you have a particular direction that you're going the next year or two years? Well, for one thing, like I said, I'm, I am building up, you know, my uh, the career as a curator as well as doing my art. So I'm, I'm doing those things dually. I'm doing those two things. But I don't be surprised if, I wouldn't be surprised if two days or three days from now I woke up and felt like I wanted to be a dentist. And then three years from now I'll be pulling teeth. Mm. I mean, I just feel like whatever you feel like you want to do, you can really do it if you set your mind to it. Um, right now I'm, I'm an artist. And I love doing it. And I'm going to continue to grow my art. I'm going to continue to produce. I'm going to continue to... I, I'm, I'm very prolific with putting the artwork out. And I'm also going to continue building opportunities, not just for myself, but for other artists. And that's kind of the direction that I'm going in right now. And I want to, you know, kind of put together, you know... And I like being down at Artworks. They're, you know, Artworks is great. Lauren is awesome. And um, Jesse um, and Addison, they're really, you know, awesome at Artworks. And I like being down there. And um, I got big plans for 2017 as far as what I'll be doing there and also what I'm going to be doing, you know, outside curating and with my own art, mm -hmm. you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So, And um, what, I, what I always like to ask my guests is, especially the ones who, who speak about their wonderful childhood, their upbringing mm -hmm. or their families and the fact that they had the support. Yes. Um, so what would you like to say to those young people or to the parents or guardians of, of young people about um, supporting the efforts mm -hmm. of, of being creative? What I would say is if you have a child that's interested in art, some people take it as they say, oh, art, you're going to be a starving artist. They think all those things. But I would say anything your kid wants to do, just encourage them. Be supportive. Be there. And, uh, it, you know, that's basically it. Just be there. Be supportive. Be a, be a, a listener. We often try to tell our kids what to do. I did the same thing sometimes too, but really actually be a listener. And if you kind of sit back, you'll hear what your kids want. You'll start to hear it. And, um, you know, I didn't always do that as best I can, but I've learned as I've gone along that be a, a much better listener and, and supporter um, of your children when they're interested you know, in whatever activity they're interested in, mm -hmm. you know, support it. Okay. And uh, I'd like for you to talk a bit about um, the 
cultural significance of art. And and when I and I know when I say art, you know, that's anything that's creative. I mean, you're talking yes. about that could be anything. But I mean, um, visual arts. Let's say speaking mm-hmm. about visual arts and the cultural importance of it in an economy or developing a post-industrial city. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that I think that art actually, you know, is enhances communities. I think it enhances uh, you know, schools. I think it enhances uh, government. I think it enhances everything. I think that art is is such a how, how, how can I put it? It's I think that it, it it can be political. It can be funny. It could be it, it can cover so many different areas. Art mm-hmm. and um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling where I want to go with this, but I'm, I I know that uh, art itself um, just can cover so many different areas. Um, I'm not sure culturally. Huh. It, it, it's hard for me to put it in, in, in because again, I'm I'm kind of new in the art art world as well. But um, I think that it can speak to a lot of issues. But then again, it doesn't have to speak to a lot of issues. It can speak from someone's heart. It can speak to uh, problems, solutions, whatever. And so, um, for me. I just do it because I love it. And I think that different, everyone, I think every artist has their reason for doing it. So it's kind of hard for me to, to really, people ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I'm just like saying, well, I don't know. I just, I do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to summar, summarize what I think that you're saying is that art is life. Yeah, it's, it, it pretty much is. And so, and, and you notice I'll put that on my hashtag, like hashtag art is life. And so, it just covers everything. Is what that's what I'm saying. You could, it, it covers so many different topics, subjects, areas. It, it, I think it's just so broad, mm. and and I think there's so many amazing, talented artists that it just covers everything. Like it, you, you can have an artist in Afghanistan and, and Germany and Africa and here and there, and they all bring something to the table. Mm. Well, and uh, I think it just depends on what that art individual artist is trying to bring to the table. And um, for me, like I said, mine is just from a spiritual aspect. It's just something that I feel. Fantastic. And hmm. I hate to cut you off there because we just fell yes. on the show. Will you come back? I would love to. Fantastic. And maybe um, while we're in here, I will be doing a live painting too. <laughs> we might be able to do that. So. <laughs> Kenneth Lewis, senior, share your contact information again before we start. It's KJL Art Sanctuary. Um, and you can, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. KJL Art Sanctuary and you can log into all those things and also have a YouTube channel as well um, and it's Kenneth Lewis Sr. Fantastic. Right. Kenneth, thank you again. Thank you. Sure. So folks again, this has just been another fast moving uh, 60 minutes or so and again the whole idea behind Trenton 365 and the show and the program and on location and all the different things that I'm doing uh, here throughout the region is to build a better community for everyone. And it's quite simply, the only way that I believe we can do that is when we can sit across from each other and accept each other's differences and realize that we're all in this together and that we're all trying to build a better community for everyone. And I'd love to hear hear from you. Send me an email. Let's meet for lunch or food or whatever you'd like. Trenton365show at gmail.com. And then we can go from there and I can introduce you personally to some of my friends like Kenneth Lewis. Have a good time, friends. Take care of yourself, and have a good night. Ooh.